What's going on, beautiful people? I'm Ryan Turner, your registered dietitian, here to fuel you. And several times a week, I'm delivering impactful five-minute shorts and amazing guest stories and lived experiences, all to help you control and overcome binge eating, improve performance, and support your body composition goals. If it's working for you, your health, and your mindset, and your definition of success, no one deserves to tell you different. You do you. Fuel you. We roll on. We continue to... Episode number three, series number three, whatever we want to call about this, but bringing to you the third installment of how you can take back some control with your emotional eating. Now, we went through uh, uh, installment number one and two, number one being making sure you're taking time and evaluating your hunger and how to do that. I explain that in detail. Uh, installment number two, we talked about making sure you understand the difference between biological and psychological hunger, how to break that down, organize it to understand your better, uh, your body better, and your actions, your habits better. And now number three, we're getting to what I call emotional eating roadblocks. Stress eating, emotional eating, bored eating. It's all about making sure we take back control and breaking the cycle. And this is where a lot of people get to where they finally understood their emotional eating. They understand that maybe they're not taking care of their hunger as well, and it is a journey. As I said, you have to practice these things. You will not automatically be able to know how to do all this. It takes time, especially time in difficult times, right? So it's, it's easy to control your emotional eating when you're less emotional or you have control of your environment. But it's, it's something you need to practice when things get hard. When it's game time, what did you practice previously and bring that into game time? And there's, and there's things that you learn during game time when things get serious too. And so I want to keep telling you it's important to make sure that you're practicing these things. You will not be perfect at this. You may have what we can call relapses, quote unquote, if you want to think about that. You will find challenges in this process. But as long as you are taking these tools putting them away in your toolbox and pulling them out when it's necessary, it will end up supporting you, I promise, okay? So I want to make sure that when we talk about emotional eating, it's when you know a person finds themselves eating food in response to feelings rather than, than just hunger, right? Again, it can be stress, it can be boredom, it could be depression, it could be frustration. And these food choices are what's tending to lead to maybe a higher calorie or maybe a, you know, choosing less nutrient um, beneficial foods. And so we want to make sure that what we're doing is that we're finding some control here. And this should not be something where it's leading to restriction. It's not telling you that you can't have these foods. It's telling you that we want to control how we go about eating some of our favorite foods, especially in times of either crisis or just smaller emotional moments, and that's okay. But I want to walk you through, or at least introduce you to what I call the roadblocks. And these roadblocks are how we start to flex our, uh, our process, uh, me and my clients, as we work through these challenges. But what I need to do is understand that we are just right now, after we've gone through step one, making sure that we um, evaluate hunger, we know kind of where we fall on a hunger scale at different times. Number two, we understand um, the difference between biological and psychological hunger. We've gotten to the point where now we want to identify triggers that can lead to this type of coping strategy um, you know, of emotional eating and discover a positive way of dealing with the challenge. Right? We want to keep these changes specific and we want to keep them measurable. It's important, right? 
it's important that you do not restrict yourself. I want you to know that if you try these different strategies and the emotion still remains, it's okay to pick up that food item. It's not about restriction. It's not about keeping it away forever. It's about finding habits that work for your goals at this time. So again, as long as we've gone through step one and step two, we've, we've really evaluated your hunger. We understand the difference between biological and psychological hunger. Now what I want to do is really understand what tends to cause the action. So if you're somebody who is at home and you feel as if you are succumbing to a certain emotion, a certain feeling, and it's, and it's causing you to, to eat in a way that's not in line with your goals, I want to make sure that we understand what caused that action. It could be work. It could be a stressful home environment. Maybe it's habitual. Maybe it's just when you turn the TV on. Maybe it is uh, when you're just tired after a week. It could just be coming and you're just noticing it on Thursdays and Fridays. Maybe it's when you start to plan family events, right? There's so many things here. Maybe it's when you're happy. Maybe it's like there's so many things that can actually happen. Um, but, you know, just I, I want to keep like rattling these off because, again, it could be when uh, when someone in your family orders pizza, you're not really feeling an emotion, but now it's your environment. And maybe it's peer pressure. Whenever whenever Aunt whenever Aunt Jean is around, she always brings these pies. And you know, I can control myself once the pies are there, but she's someone who now pushes them on me. So it's peer pressure, right? So it's all of these things. Could be around alcohol, could be around food, but doing something that's not in line with your goals. So what tends to cause the action? It's important for you to understand what it is. And recently I was working with someone as an example here, um, and I was asking this person what tend what tended to cause the action, and what happened is he would get home from work, and then he would end up uh, finding himself in a in a situation where he's emotional eating or just what we were defining as binge eating with him in particular. But what we got down to it was it wasn't the fact because he was like I'm not really a stressed person, but he did say he's usually after work grabbing a drink. And so this is on the train home. And so this was important to understand because it wasn't so much an emotion. Now, maybe he's grabbing alcohol every single time he's in the train because of something else, but really we're isolating this one moment and then we will work towards those other things. But he said that when he is maybe getting home, and there could be stress from work, but he's grabbing alcohol from the train and he's having a drink and he gets home and he feels like he just has lowered inhibitions. And so now what's going to happen is he usually ends up eating something that is going to uh, eating uh, it tend. And this is important because it tends not to be things that are so quote unquote, uh, bad, right? Cause they aren't, but it was just larger portions of things. He mentioned a few things. He mentioned, um, you know, pizza being at home because the kids had, uh, you know, the, I guess his wife had ordered pizza for the kids. So when pizza's there, he'll end up overeating. He specifically mentioned something like quiche, which is made a couple nights a week, and he'll end up overeating the quiche, just in portions that he feels like aren't um, great for him, or he may end up keeping, or he may end up grabbing another drink. But we're understanding what's happening. So what we want to do and say, okay, what tends to cause the action? And we really identified that it wasn't so much stress, but he felt that when he does have alcohol uh, after work on the train, that it then makes things harder. So we're identifying the alcohol as a trigger. So what we wanted to make sure we're going to do is really start to change his environment around. And we can say, just don't drink on your way home, right? And that's like, really, let's talk about that uh, and say, okay, if you don't drink, it's going to end up helping. But sometimes that might not be the best 
course of action. So really what we mentioned was saying, okay, well, when you're on the train, maybe we can say, maybe don't put yourself, uh, you know, in, in the, in the bar cart. And that would be something where he really has to double, he has to think again about if he really wants it. And then if he really does, okay, he's going to go get it, right? That's not my, my point here isn't to stop him because it wasn't as if it was overconsumption. It was just, a, that's part of his trigger. So what we said is when he gets home after having some alcohol, we said to make sure that he was going to set up his kitchen environment by having higher fiber foods around and also positioning himself maybe around the table where he wasn't going to be able to uh, instantly grab all kinds of food. And he also would end up keeping himself in the kitchen after people would leave, after the kids would start to go to bed, after his wife wasn't there, and that would lead him to move, move into the pantry and now eating more foods. And so we just wanted to make sure we're setting up the environment, giving him the idea of if you find yourself in the kitchen, if you find yourself in the pantry, if you find yourself in front of the pizza box, it's likely going to be harder. It's not saying you can never go there, but it is saying don't find yourself there. So we changed some of the foods around and we talked about setting himself up in a different place. So maybe moving into the living room, moving into the dining room, moving into his home office and doing some work there until he finds that maybe he has some control. But this environment is something that he's going to change. It's something where it could be his physical environment, it could be his mental environment. So we even talked about listening to music and not with this person in particular because this didn't really hit home, but meditation has helped some people too, right? Just changing the mental environment around. But we have to make this goal something that is going to be very specific and measurable. So something like, hey, when you get home, don't find yourself in the kitchen for the first 10 minutes. So what he can do is he can make sure that he gets home, maybe step in the kitchen, say hi to his lovely family, and then make sure maybe he's going to spend 10 minutes outside of there if that's going to be good for him just until he really gets his feet set and that can make sure that he's going to make some decisions that are going to be better for him. But changing his environment around is important. For someone else, it could be making sure when they feel feelings of incredible incredible emotion to make sure that they are going to step outside. Step outside is uh, very specific and then measurable. Step outside for five minutes. Go on a walk for three miles. <laughs> that sounds like a lot. Um, you know, meditate for five minutes. Journal, right? Listen to music, like change your mental environment as well. But that's roadblock number one. And it, you have to now do what you just said. And after that measurement, now you move on the next thing. The next thing, if you feel like you need more, we move on to social accountability. And roadblock number two is making sure that you bring these ideas into someone else's head with you so that you can now support yourself. Because if you just leave this challenge in your head, a lot of times what happens is that our thoughts roll into each other and they can become toxic. Okay, we don't want to do this thing. Oh, that thing is bad. Oh, you're bad. Oh my God, you're doing this again. You do this all the time. You're a failure, right? So these, these thoughts and emotions, they keep happening. And so when we sometimes we just release, we just tap our mind and we let these thoughts out just for a second, it ends up really supporting us and it just kind of calms those thoughts a little bit more. Maybe it kind of helps us not catastrophize as, as much and we can now just get back to a better uh, kind of footing. But it can also help to say, hey, if there's a family member that you're saying, hey, I just need some help right here. I know I'm doing something challenging or let, you know, my client here could let his wife know and just step out of the kitchen for 10 minutes, want to find some control just before I go in there. She can say, hey, hey, I got you. I can definitely support you here. This is going to be helpful. And a lot of times couples, you know, it might not be the best person. Maybe it's going to be a colleague. Maybe it's a different family member. Maybe it's the best friend, but making sure we have it. We even have uh, in our discord group, a way that we can actually communicate that way when we're in a stressful moment to make sure that we mention something so that we can get our feet uh, back on track. And that can kind of help us here. But again, be very specific and measurable. Make sure that you are going to mention this to your wife and make sure that 
she supports you for five minutes, right? Give it a time limit so that people know that there is like an endpoint to this. Or you can end up texting someone. You know the person that you're going to text. And uh, you might just kind of text and be like, oh, man, I want to make sure that I'm not doing something that I don't want to do right now. Uh, and you just doing that, you can say, hey, I'm going to text them for three minutes. I'm going to wait for a response for three minutes. And if I don't get a response back, then I can kind of move on to step number three. But at least you're giving yourself some of that time, okay? Now, if that works and you can move on, you find control, great. But there's always step number three, and it's returning to biological hunger. And it's something that sometimes people need to either realize they didn't take care of their biological hunger earlier, or maybe they've been in a calorie deficit for some time. And so now what they can say is, all right, I understand. Biologically, I've been in a calorie deficit, and I know that my calories are lower than they need to be. Not, not unsustainable and in this moment there's a challenge but maybe in this moment we can say hey biologically my body just might need more calories and so instead of being in a deficit right now I'm going to increase my calories so that I know that I can fight another day and that can be helpful right people have said drink some water chew some gum brush your teeth right change the food choice those can all work but I think what's more important here is sometimes Someone can say, hey, instead of continuing on this in this deficit moment, maybe it's good just to kind of make a meal because you're just feeling snacky. So instead of actually just trying to snack and thinking that, you know, these flavors and these tastes that might be engineered to actually drive us to eat more, just go make a meal instead. Make a meal that has the components of protein. It has some sort of non-starchy fiber. Make sure that we have some sort of starch on there as well. And also make sure that we have some sort of fat. Make a true meal of those things. And so sometimes I talk about the rule of three. The rule of three here and say, hey, you know what? Maybe it's just time to make a meal out of snacks, even if that's the case. So make sure maybe you're going to get a protein bar, but not a protein bar by itself. Get a protein bar, get a piece of fruit, and go get a little bit of nuts. And make a meal out of this so you can control your biological hunger and really control the feelings that you have to make sure that you know that you're knocking that out. And so all of these things together can help you find control in the moment. I hope those all make sense. This is a visual that I have. This is a worksheet that I have for my clients. At some point, if you are someone who's feeling um, challenged as well, I'd love to make sure that we know how to have you implement this also, okay? But the last thing I'm going to say here, and the most important point, is that if you've gone through these roadblocks, and it's kind of like if you look at this sheet, it's kind of like winding around these roadblocks, so that it just stops you from going straight from point A to point B, right? In the case of this, this client, you know, getting home after having some alcohol and going straight to binge eating. It wasn't so much saying, just don't do that. It's more of a, hey, let's just try a different path around that moment. But if he's tried or you've tried to move through roadblock one, changing your environment, going to roadblock two, social accountability, and now you're at roadblock three and you've implemented all of those and you still have this craving, what I will tell you to do is not restrict. It's time to go get that food. And I'm not saying, I'm not justifying a binge, but what I am saying, it's going to be really important for us to make sure that we go and we pat ourselves on the back. And I, you know, if I was with you, I'd pat you on the back. I'd say, great job. You did an awesome job. You've tried something to try to break the cycle in some kind of way. Why don't we go have that food? Let's get it. And the next time we know some things that might not work, we'll try something different in your environment. We'll try some sort of social accountability. It's a little bit different than you already tried. And we'll look at biological hunger dif differently. This is a journey of, of solutions. You, can, can, you can't be afraid to fail. You can't think that you're going to get it on your first try. It takes time. Okay? But look. I want to leave it there. If you end up needing more information on how to support your emotional eating, this is a great start for you. 
these three short episodes, not 15 minutes, always want to make these five. But if you need more support than this, let me know. Reach out to us. You can go into our private Discord. I'll put that uh, link in the show notes. If you want to head over to our website, apply for coaching. If you want to hit me up on Instagram and send me a DM, let me know that you're challenged with some of your emotional eating and we can take care of it. There are answers out there for you, but I will tell you this. I'm going to leave you with this. It takes time. You have to practice this. Practice it in times of challenges, not just when it's easy, but you can overcome this. I promise you. All right, guys, I'm going to leave it there. Hey, just remember, I'm Ryan Turner, your registered dietitian, always here to fuel you, and you know I'll see you next time. Take care, guys. Bye.